for tuning in to Hacks and Hobbies with your host, Junaid. In season two of Hacks and Hobbies, we're visited by our amazing guests coming from all walks of life. We want to learn their story, their struggles, and their journey on how they got to where they are today. So stick around. In this episode, uh, we're, t- we're getting to talk with Fouad Kamal. He's been cycling for a lot longer than I have. I mean, uh, I cycled and biked back when I was younger. Then I got back into biking as a mountain biker. And then I got into biking as cycling. So Fouad, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, absolutely, man. So Fouad, I know we've met a few years ago to the cycling team and uh, our mutual passion for video and photography had you know brought us closer together and then we've been talking back and forth about writing books collaborating on many different projects and they've been really awesome but i wanted to tap into your expertise in cycling and okay what expertise <laughs> i'm not sure what you're talking about man you got the wrong are you sure you signed up like the right person <laughs> i mean you still have a lot more experience than i do and if not, then, you know, this will be still an awesome conversation Sure. about, you know, what we learned about, you know, cycling and, and um, the different things that we've been experimenting in the past few years. Okay. So tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, tell us your experience in the cycling and um, how you got into it. Okay, sure. So um, my name is Fouad Kamal. Um, my, I am an independent consultant. I do mobile um, architecture and development and, uh, and strategy. I'm involved in right now three books concurrently, which is like interesting. I thought one book was a lot of work and somehow I got involved in three. Uh, and uh, they're all technical books. Um, I'm into um, writing, obviously, uh, cycling, uh, martial arts. Um, actually, cycling is just like, for me, more of an augmentation to my martial arts. It, it helps with the cardio. Um, and it's a way of getting around. It was for many years for me, just a way of getting around, especially when I was in college. So tell us a little bit about how you got into cycling and, you know, why was it so important for you to do cycling over anything else, and, um, your little journey in the cycling industry? I know. Sure. I mean, but It's an augmentation and it helps. I mean, it's a really good point that you mentioned that it's really for the cardio that it brings because you have to be cardiologically super you know, it helps with your heart, it helps with your lungs and breathing and everything. It's a really um, awesome way to be active as well. But I think you had experience with cycling a lot earlier before you use it for this specific purpose. Yeah, actually, yeah. I mean, you know, the whole cardio thing, that sounds like clinical and scientific, but actually the, the reality is um, I got, my dad got me like um, a steel like Kmart bike when I was seven years old. Um, and for me, that opened up I mean, many doors. It was a it was a source of freedom, and I don't mean to like wax philosophical on you, but uh, philosophical on you, but um, really like you know it meant you could I could go places where I couldn't have gone otherwise. Um, you know, I had friends also who had bikes, and we would go like to not we didn't have like malls that were accessible back then, um, but there was like a not a hospital but like um like a clinical outpatient type center, and they had like a pharmacy, and they had they would have like candies you know in, in the pharmacy, so. We would bike there and, you know, spend whatever, like, few cents we had on, on, on candy and stuff. Um, and we wound up just, I wound up exploring, like, not just a neighborhood, but beyond. And, like, you know, forests and fields of, uh, like, different things. You know, we just we went and exploring. It was like an adventure. We went all kinds of places. 
we would never got to on, on foot. Um, so that was the main thing originally is it was a, a source of freedom. And, you know, I mean, I was a big time introvert, um, growing up, uh, all the way through until I got to college, you know, college became more extroverted, but all the way until college, I was very introverted. Um, so for me, like cycling, I mean, you just feel good for, for, for one thing, like not only does it give you freedom, but it, you, you get this, this exhilaration, um, from, from when I'm on the bike, I just feel amazing. Uh, I don't know how to describe it. Um, even now, like, you know, like if I need to think about something, like I find that's a really good time. It's like you're right up running through the countryside. It's very peaceful. Um, and I wound up pushing myself physically harder than, um, like without thinking about it. I just, I just push myself really hard. In fact, one of the reasons I started riding indoors is because I can't maintain that control of like staying within a certain zone. Um, and we can get into that later, but like, you know, I can't do structured training outside because when I'm outside, it just, it's really hard not to just, just max out and just keep, just, you know, just go. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I had that, so that came out part I, I had since I was seven all the way until and through college. So I got to college and that still was the bike I was riding. Um, and in college, that was my car. Like I got around everywhere. I went to work, I went to classes, uh, I zipped around campus everywhere on that steel bike. Um, and it, it was great. And then I got hit by cars in college like twice. Um, so first time it was like raining and, uh, this guy, he was on a, we, I lived, I went to school in Southern Illinois in Champaign, Urbana. Um, so it's like two, two and a half hours south of, of Chicago. Um, so like a lot of the students there are from the Chicago land area. So they would all go home on the weekend. Basically it's like everywhere we were driving home. So this guy was going back to Chicago and he didn't see me and it was raining. Um, I saw him, but I had a walk sign and I was riding through the intersection and he just, I hit my brakes and it was this cheap Kmart bike. So the, my bike didn't stop and he didn't stop. So he just made a turn and he went through me and, uh, basically like my body was rubbing against his bike, against his car. And then, uh, you know, I went up on the ground and he kept going, <laughs> he didn't stop. <laughs> and then like, like he, he kept going and then like a ways down, like he finally, he, I saw the brake lights go on and he's like, I guess he realized like, you know, he might just go to jail uh, for like, yeah. so then he came back and he's like apologetic and stuff. And I got his like driver's license information, all that. And then, then he went home and uh, I called the police and I made a report. And then apparently the police or the court made him come back to Urbana like that weekend. And uh, yeah. so he was really upset that I called the police. And so he said, I'm going to sue you. You can talk to my lawyer. <laughs> I'm like, what? You hit me with your car and you're going to sue me. So <laughs> that was my first accident. And then um, it was, it was not a big deal. Like I didn't get hurt and I had my wheel trued for like 20 bucks or something. And my bike was good yeah. to go. And I kept riding my Kmart bike. And then uh, another time this guy had come all the way from South America um, just to hit me with his car. Now, I mean, what really happened is, <laughs> He, he had a brother who was uh, doing his doctorate in physics. And so he was looking for the physics lab. It was, it's called Loomis Lab. And our bike, there's a bike path that cuts right in front of the driveway for Loomis Lab. There's a very small parking lot there. Um, but he was looking for the sign. He saw it. And so as soon as he saw the sign, he veered, swerved into the driveway. But he didn't realize there was a guy, me, riding my bike at top speed, you know, through, through that, um, over that driveway on the bike path. So he just, like, literally went through my bike, like, head-on collision. Um, like, I mean, he hit me on the side, but like he hit my bike full force. Um, oh, man. so, but luckily for me, so like I said, I'm into martial arts and I got into martial arts, I guess, sophomore year. Um, like I had a, a roommate who I, I wanted to always do, um, martial arts, like since I was really young, I used to always got picked on. I was, I was the subject of being bullied in, in grade school. And I'd always beg my dad, like, you know, can you put me in karate school? Can you put me in martial arts? But like, you know, typical, like, you know, I guess they see like Indopac, um, parents are like, oh, it's a waste of money. You know, like you don't need that. So he never did. 
And then I got to college thinking, you know, martial arts is so expensive. And yeah. I had met some friends and they were like, you know, I saw he was wearing like the screen belt and, you know, he had a martial arts uniform. I was like, oh, what are you doing? This is Taekwondo. Oh, how much does that cost? It's like, oh, yeah. it's like 30 bucks a year. I was like, what? 30 bucks a year? Like, bucks a year. what are you talking about? So I'm like, <laughs> sign me up. Like, where do I go? So like, I, I, I got involved in, in Taekwondo, mm-hmm. initially in Taekwondo. And then I met my, my ninjutsu teacher in, in that class. Um, and that's another story. But like, basically I had been doing, like once I got involved in martial arts in college, like that became like a major occupation for me. Like I was more involved in that than in my studies, um, fortunately or unfortunately. So like I wind up training like every day, like either Taekwondo or, or Ninjutsu or sometimes both in the same day. Um, yeah. So like I would, Taekwondo was like three days a week and then Ninjutsu, like my teacher would come over at night and we'd go out like <laughs> stealth mode on the campus and like train out in the campus like almost every night. Um, sometimes he would sneak into my room with a sword and like, you know, put it to my throat to try and like get me aware to wake up, but I never would. I'd just be like, <laughs> yeah, he, he would like, actually one time he, he, he came in my room, like he, he would climb, he like, we were on the second floor. So he would sneak up into our second floor apartment. He would break uh-huh. in and he'd put a sword to my throat. And uh, like, I wouldn't wake up. It's like, then he's like, what, what? I started to wake up and he's like shaking me like physically. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I wouldn't wake up. He's like, Dude, you're dead. Like so many times over. I'm like, yeah, sorry. I'm just, I'm a heavy sleeper. What can I say? <laughs> so anyway, this guy who was training me in Nijitsu, like um, we had for one month prior to the second accident, we had been breaking into the, um, what is it called? The armory on campus. It's this huge, like long building with a really high, like arch ceiling. Um, and uh, they had a pole vault mat set up in there. So they have like track events and other stuff in there, but they had this pole vault mat set up. So we'd break yeah. in at night when nobody's there and we would do full body throws on the pole vault mat. Cause you know, on regular mats, you can like roll and you can tumble and you can do some throws. But when you're doing full body throw, that means like you're throwing someone over your head, like through the air. You, oh, you, wow. Yeah. So it's, you need something like a pole vault mat to land on. Uh, so you don't like break your bigger padding. Yeah. So anyway, we were, we were practicing that for like every night for 30 days, like almost a month. And then this guy came and hit me with his car. Um, so when he hit me with his car, like my body just reacted, like your muscles, like they get this, this training, like muscle memory. So like, mm-hmm. I didn't even think about it. Like one second, this guy is hitting me with his car. The next thing I knew I'm flying through the air. My, my knees just tucked into my chest. I just flipped off the bike. I somersaulted through the air, hit the ground, rolled and stood up. And <laughs> This happened so fast. I didn't understand what happened. I was just like, this guy just hit my bike. And I'm like, dude, my bike, what did you do? And he, he's like, he's freaked out. He jumps out of the car. He's like, oh my God, are you okay? Let me take you to the hospital. Like he was amazed to see me standing. And I was like, dude, you hit my bike. Let's go to a bike shop. He's like, no, 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 no. Let me take you to the hospital. I'm like, no, man, you're going with me right now to the bike shop. You like damaged my bike. And he's like, no, no, like you have to go to the hospital. I'm like, no, we're going to the bike shop. I know where there's a bike shop nearby. And for a while, so there was this Bianchi, this Bianchi shop, um, like walking distance behind Loomis Lab. And yeah. I, I, I've checked, it's not there anymore, unfortunately. But like I had been going there for like months with my uh-huh. roommate, like just, you know, window shopping and like drooling over the Bianchis in the window. And we talked to him, but like I couldn't afford those bikes. You know, it's like, I think the, the cheapest one was like 300 bucks. I and mean, 300 bucks back then was like a lot of money, especially for a student, you know, so like, I did not have the money for that. Um, so I'm like, let's go to the bike shop. So I made him like insisted. So he parked his car and I made him walk with me to, to the Bianchi shop. And as soon as I walk in the door, the owner sees me, he knows me. He's like, what the hell happened to you? Like, I didn't think anything. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? He's like, 
Like, he could tell I've been hit by a car. I don't know how, but... Oh, he could tell. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't, like, bleeding or anything. I think I had a scratch on my knee, but that was it. And that was from rolling on the ground. It wasn't from the car. The car never actually touched me, right? It just went through the yeah. bike. Uh, mm-hmm. The guy wasn't on it when it hit. And um, so I'm like, hey, can you, like, chew my wheel? Can you fix my bike? And he, like, mm-hmm. he almost broke out laughing. He's like, you, dude, your frame is bent. <laughs> like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> there's, there's no way. Like, so he, he's like, he's like... I'm like, okay, so how much do you think my bike is worth? And now the shop owner knew me, right? So he's like, oh, 100 bucks. Like, remember, this bike, like when I was seven years old, was 100 bucks brand new in, in Kmart, right? So it wasn't worth anything. It was like, yeah. he knew I was going to buy a bike from him. So he's like, yeah, 100 bucks. So the guy was just so happy to like, you know, get out of going to jail and, you know, all that. So he just, he took out $100 cash and just paid me on the spot. And I was like, I was really happy. I was like, oh, wow, I got cash for my bike. And, you know, now maybe I can save up some more money and, and get a Bianchi. And I yeah. did like, you know, I just, I saved up for a few more months and, uh, until I had like enough money to get, um, this Bianchi, um, what is it called? Main street. It was a like red main street. And this bike, man, like I took it for a test ride and mm-hmm. remember I had a steel bike from Kmart. So that thing was heavy and I never realized how heavy it was. And this, yeah. this bike was chromoly, which to me now feels heavy, but that bike at then I like, it was like riding a feather. And yeah. I, I took that for a test ride and I like flew off curbs, like really high curbs. I was like, I just... I just, I don't know. I was like flying everywhere, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And then I came back like a few days later and I was like, Hey, you know, that bike I test rode, I really want to buy that bike. And there was a mechanic there. It wasn't the owner. And he's like, um, you can't have it right now. I'm like, why? It's like, uh, they're chewing the wheels and stuff. That's right. I was like, oops. <laughs> but I wound up getting that bike. And then I rode that. That was my, that was my car. And I rode that bike all the way through college, through getting married. And like until now, I still have that bike. Nice. Yeah, I don't have any stories like that because um, growing up, I had bikes too, right? But I, I had like a banana, banana seat bike. Um, I think that one had training wheels. Then I had a BMX for some time. And then I think the last bike that I had back in Saudi was a mountain bike. I think it was 24 inch. But every single bike that I owned was stolen at oh, one man. point one point or another because I was growing up in Saudi Arabia and I, I never had locks so wherever I would go but like you know I'm just gonna leave the bike here go in here to shop and then come back out but then like sometimes it would be there the bike would be there but other times I'd be walking walking back home you didn't you didn't learn your lesson after like the first couple of times <laughs> not, not that I didn't learn a lesson I didn't know any better uh-huh. like my dad would have, you know gotten me a lock or something but he never did. Right. Maybe he did. I and I just have a really bad memory. So, so dad, if you ever get a chance to listen to this podcast, <laughs> I'm not blaming it on you. It's my fault. Um, all right. So that's yeah. Your- I had a banana seat bike too, man. Um, actually, that was before the steel bike, the the road bike um, that that got totaled in college. Um, my dad, we had gone to. I'd been asking for a bike for a long time, and my dad took me to a garage sale, and yeah. we got this banana seat bike for ten bucks. And mm-hmm. it actually, like, I test rode it, and I couldn't get it to, to break. You know, when you pedal backwards to make the bike stop? It had that kind of brake. I forget what that's called. But, like, I couldn't get it to stop. And so, like, this bike, the brakes don't work. And the kid who owned it, he was this really big, like, really fat, heavyset kid, right? So he had a lot of weight, like, maybe five times my weight. And he's like, no, it works fine. And he got up on it, and he rode down the driveway. And he, like, slammed down on the, on the pedal backwards. And, you know, he has all this weight. So it just, it's, he skidded the wheel. And I was like, oh, I guess it does work. What's wrong with me? <laughs> but that was, yeah, that was my banana seat bike until I got the new Kmart bike. Yeah. 
That's too funny. Um, so one of the things that I started, um, I was talking to a, a, my cousin and he's like, you know, you have this experience with cycling and whatnot. And I had, I had a few people reach out to me about, hey, I'm looking to buy a bike. What should I go and get? And my sister did the same thing like uh, a few years ago. And my cousin just did that recently. And two of my other cousins, they also bought bikes. And so my brother-in-law was like, you know, you should totally do an episode of how to pick a mountain, you know, how to pick a bike and what to look for in, in a bike. I was like, you know, that's not a bad idea. So I started, uh, I recorded an episode where I talk about the different types of bicycles. And I was like, you know, there's road bikes, there's mountain bikes, and then there's there's probably stunt bikes, which are like BMX, but the hybrids. now that I, yeah. they're hybrids, exactly. So now that I look it up, they're like, well, there's really just two types of main bikes or maybe, so I was like, you know, I don't know too much. I'll have to do some research. So I was like, let me talk to some of my cyclist friends. And, you know, you're, you're the first one to talk a little bit about, you know, what, what you need to look for when you're getting a bicycle. Yeah. I mean, really it boils down to what do you want to do with it? Right. And, and what are you interested in? Um, and I would say like, I wish I had, I wish I had learned this light lesson earlier in life, but I realize now some people like they might have a lot of money, like they might be wealthy, mm -hmm. but they don't just go out and buy like the top thing necessarily. Like this guy, he just bought a telescope for me today. Yeah. And like I had listed on Craigslist for like a hundred bucks and, uh, and I got it for free, but like, you know, he, his daughter was interested in, in telescopes and like some of the scopes he was looking at were like, you know, $2,000 or more. Right. But he didn't just go out. I mean, you know, he was obviously wealthy had a really nice car and all this, but yeah. he didn't go out and buy the top scope. He's like, let me make sure that she's interested in this thing first mm -hmm. and see if she, you know, if she's going to stick with it and then I'll get her a nicer one. Right. So he went and picked up this hundred dollar one for me. Um, so I'd say like, you know, before you go out and like go crazy, like get something cheap and affordable and also think about, um, like, what do you want to do? Like, what, do you want to ride indoors? Do you want to ride outdoors? What type of, do you like riding in the dirt? Do you like, you know, do you like riding on the road? Are you scared of riding on the road? Because if you are, maybe you don't need a road bike if you're going to be riding on bike paths. Because mm -hmm. um, I, I know a lot of people, um, even my own kids, like or some of my daughters, like initially they're like, oh, I don't want to ride on the road. And I'm like, no, I'll go with you. And they get used to it. But yeah. initially that's, it's a scary thing because there's cars on the road, right? Yeah. Um, and that can definitely be dangerous. Um, so that's something to think about. And then I'd say before you even spend any money, like, Figure out in your head mentally what do you think you want to do, yeah. And then go to bike shops and try the different bikes because the way they fit and the way they feel is totally different. Totally. And I would try, like I'd say, like go to a shop that has an actual fitter or someone who knows what they're doing because there's lots of bike shops that like look at you like, oh yeah, and then just stick you on a bike. <laughs> but you know, the, the handlebars being like too far forward, the seat not being the right height can make a big difference in how comfortable or uncomfortable something feels initially, especially if you're not used to riding bikes. Yeah. Um, but I'd say, yeah, definitely go to some bike shops. And another thing is there's these things, especially with mountain bikes, they do this, but they, I think they do with other bikes too. Is they have these um, these days where they'll have like a, what is it called? Like they have, like they'll go to a park and they'll set up like all these bikes and they, you can do test rides. So like there's one yeah. here in Rockville where they, they've done where like they had, uh, I forget the brand, but there'll be some brand of bike that'll come out mm -hmm. and they'll have like a whole bunch, like a hundred or something bikes. And people just take it out for like 30 minutes and there's like a, a, a mountain bike trail right there. And they go and ride on it and they can do a test and really see what the bike is doing. Like if you just go to a bike shop and it's not by a trail yeah. and you know, if you're doing like a mountain bike, how do you, how do you know what it really feels like? Yeah. And I'd say like the next thing is like talk to people who are into that sport, like whether it's road biking or mountain biking, cause they're very different. Like if you ask me about mountain bikes, man, like they have, like things have changed a lot since we were kids, right? Like now the shocks 
or have adjustable pressure. I'm like, I don't even know where to start with that, right? Like, <laughs> or, or why, right? So, I mean, you know, I would like go writing with some people. And then like another thing I would advise is like, you know, same thing like if you're into photography, right? Which is another thing I'm into. It's like I, I do like some, some, uh, some professional uh, shooting. Yeah. But like if you are interested in a lens or a certain camera, like don't just go out and buy, it's just too expensive, right? Like a, a camera body can cost 2,500 bucks or more. And some of these lenses cost, I mean, $5,000 or more for one lens. Yes. So the much easier thing to do is like spend a hundred bucks and rent one. Yeah. Right. And nowadays, I mean, I don't know, I don't recall this ever being a thing when I was young, but now like so many bike shops, just call up a bike shop, say, Hey, do you do bike rentals mm -hmm. or look online? You'll find lots of places that rent bikes. Like we went to, um, one of my daughters to Tucson, mm -hmm. um, and I was like, I didn't want to ship my bikes there. So we just rented a couple of bikes. Me and my daughter went riding every morning, you know, at, at dawn because yeah. it's like, it was really cheap just to rent some cheapo bikes and, and, and get a feel for it. And so you can try different brands that way. Um, another thing you can do is like a bike shop, if they're interested in selling you a bike, a lot of times they'll do a loan. Like they'll, they'll give you the bike overnight. Some car dealerships will do this. Tesla will do this, but like they'll just give you the car for overnight. Some bike shops will do the same thing. Like here, take the bike, ride it around and bring it back. I mean, what are you going to do? Steal it? They know, you know, you take your information. So exactly. You know, it's not a big deal. But I'd say definitely like try everything, like try a hybrid, try a road bike, try um, a cyclocross bike. Um, Cause they all have a very different feats, uh, fits and, and feels. Um, so like, and go for some, some group rides and, and see what it, you know, what are you interested in? Cause maybe you think you want to do road biking and you find out that, you know what, that position isn't comfortable for you. Yeah. Uh, and then even within road bikes, like there's like bikes designed for racing that are very aggressive and they're not so comfortable. And there are bikes that are just, meant for casual riding and they're much more comfortable. So it really depends on, on you. No, that's, um, those are really excellent points because, and I wish I, I had that information when I was getting into biking, right? Because since my last experience with a bicycle when I was 18, 19 years old was, was, was with a mountain bike. When I came to the States, I was like, okay, I need to get a mountain bike because that's my last experience. I never thought about, you know, okay, I should go check out every single bike or the different types of bikes that are available and see how they feel. Like I, I like the thought didn't even cross my mind. And so mm -hmm. when I did get my first bicycle, it was a mountain bike and I knew my brother-in-law was into biking. So I started talking to him and he's like, okay, if you're not, if you're not going to spend, if you want to spend under a thousand dollars, do not get a full suspension bike, just get a hardtail. But then I, you know, even <laughs> he didn't tell me, all right, go try it all the different types of bikes that are available, go to a bike shop. But you know, what you're telling is you got to try it out before you even spend the money in the type of bike you want to get. Yeah. So when I, so what's funny is that, so I was in, I was, I got the mountain biking, I rode the mountain bike and I, most of the riding that I did on that mountain bike was on the road. Cause <laughs> a couple of times I did go off-roading and the first time ever I did that was in, it was like a night ride. And I'm telling my buddies, like, dude, I just want to ride my bike on the regular trail in the daylight. So anyways, I ended up poking my eye on the way back because it was oh my dark. God. I couldn't see what's going on. And I'm sweating at the same time. And it was like first time riding. And like, I have no fitness whatsoever. It was hilarious. And then, um, and then I, would, I would ride around the circle with my other, with my friend, uh, colleague. And he was into, he had a road bike. And so I was like, all right. I don't want to spend more money, so I'm just going to get hybrid wheels for my mountain bike. <laughs> okay. And it's still heavy, right? I'm still working hard. So then it, was, it wasn't until like later here um, in Virginia 
my sister was like, oh, I'm going to this um, biking event up in New York where it's a 40 mile across the five boroughs. It's an event to, you know, raise awareness or something. So I ended up renting this bike. It was a GT uh, road bike and it was super light. And I was, I got, I got really lucky because they didn't have any steel bikes in my size. So the owner of the shop, and it was a small shop, was like, you know, I'll let you ride my bike. And it had, you know, super light. It had, you know, Shimano 105s. And like, I was like, whoa. This was a road bike? It was a road bike. Yeah, it was a road, oh. road bike. And it felt really good. And even though my fitness level was like really low, I still felt great riding it. And even though it rained, like the, the whole time that I was riding the bike in this, it was raining, you know, on and off. And so we were all wet. But I still had an excellent experience on this road bike. So very, very important that you test what you want to get into. Yeah. And just to, I mean, decided to go off on a tangent, but like you mentioned, you went to this event to raise awareness about something. So it's funny that the point was to raise awareness, but you can't remember what it was about. What an oxymoron. Yep. But you remember the bike though. That's I it. remember the bike because, you know, it was like, oh, that was my main attraction. It's a bike ride. Right. And, uh, you know, you all are riding together. Um, and, and, and coincidentally, like the same kind of thing happened to me. I was riding that, my Bianchi still like all the way through, you know, after getting married and as an adult and, yeah. um, you know, an old guy. Mm-hmm. And um, I have a friend, um, he's actually a filmmaker uh, from New York. His name's Omar Malik. You, you might've heard of him. Yep. Um, but um, he like also was really into cycling, like from a, a long, for a long time in, yeah. in college as well. Like he, like he used to always say, oh yeah, I rode with these like hardcore, like guys until like my kidneys but like he always goes back to that like you know how this is endurance of like running but he had like a couple of road bikes one of them was like a u.s postal you know the ones they used to race the u.s postal service one okay okay um, so he had and he had a nice bike but like he's like we should go biking sometime. I'm like yeah let's do it right yeah. but i had my bianchi and i had no concept like road bike versus hybrid right mm. so like you know i had good fitness yeah but you know, um because i was biking everywhere all the time right i, re- I would riding 10 miles no problem on on my my hybrid and I didn't dinner never never occurred to me until I did it that 10 miles and 20 miles there's no difference like yeah. if you can do 10 miles you can do 20 miles it's not a big deal yeah. but anyway so like we went for a bike ride together and you know I'll preface it with saying he like he never rode with me again after that but like I tried so hard to keep up with him and like down the, especially the downhills like he would just go you know I mean, he tried to stay with me but in a hybrid you just can't keep up with the road bike there's just the dynamic it doesn't matter if you're more fit than another guy exactly. the, the bike makes a huge difference in what you can do with it um, and depending on what you're trying to do with it. So I definitely say like, you know, make sure you're getting the right bike for what you want to do. Like don't get a hybrid if you want to stay on the road because yeah. you enjoy more. You'll enjoy going, at least I do. I enjoy going fast. So, mm-hmm. you know, get a fast bike, get a road bike for that. Okay. But again, like you can, you can also save money. Like if you don't, you know, you can get a carbon bike, but you can get the same type of bike, but aluminum and it doesn't weigh that much more. Yeah. It might feel a little bit different, but you'll pay a lot less money, like half the money. So exactly. you know, those are things to keep in mind. And you can always sell your bike and get another bike later if you get that passionate about it. So Yeah, man. And so when I got into road biking, so when my sister told me, okay, we're going to do this event, I immediately went online and started looking for the cheapest bike that I can find. And I ended up buying this one bike <clears throat> and it was a TT bike. It was a time trial bike and I got it for like 800 bucks. And I was like, all right, this is so cool. And then... I sit on it and I lock my feet in and I, I think I fell like a couple of times on this bike. I'm like, okay, this bike is not going with me. And that's when I ended up renting the bike up there in New York. 
then luckily the bike store that I bought, bought the bike bike from it had a 365 day return policy, Jensen USA. So I ended up sending the bike back, and then I was like, all right, I need to get a road bike that's going to do what I want. You know, that's going to get me into the sport. And I think there was a sale going on this um, this website. Anyways, ended up getting this bike, and and I had very little idea of what I was getting into. But um, after some research, I, I ended up getting a good bike that, that you know that's sticking around with me for some time now. And then the the other important part: once you do get the bike that you want to get, and if it's road bike or mountain bike, you got to make sure that it fits right. Yeah, get a fit, get a professional fit. Spend the money and get a professional exactly. fit. And a lot of the times, the professional fit it's going to be almost well, it's not going to be almost as expensive as the bike that you've purchased. But especially if you're buying a bike that's four hundred dollars, you're going to spend around the same amount of money in getting a professional bike fit because if you and the bike are not in sync. Right, it's not going. You know, you you're not going to be comfortable. Yeah, totally. Like, and and there's small things like little tiny adjustments, like the angle of the seat, the height of the seat. Mm-hmm. If that's not tweaked just right, like as you get more yep. passionate about riding, you're gonna wind up stop stopping because mm-hmm. maybe you'll have knee issues, or you'll get saddle sores, or you'll have back yeah. pain. There's like all these common yeah. issues that crop up. Just a small tiny little adjustment can can fix that. But you know, unless you're experienced. You know, it's really hard to diagnose that, but a fitter, that's his job. That's what he does. Um, and I mean, the cheapest fit you can get usually is like 800 bucks. But if you get like mm-hmm. a real, like if you go all out and get like a computer, you know, like laser or all that thing where it's like totally, yeah. totally as free as can be, you're still going to spend more than 300 bucks. So like somewhere yeah. between 100 to $300 is what you're going to spend for a pro fit. Um, pro. Yes. And I, I mean, like you're talking like people who race and stuff and they're getting like the high end fits. You're still spending like at the top end 300 bucks. And, yeah. and, and those top end ones isn't a one-time thing. Like you go there, you get the fit, you go and ride and you go back and they'll keep tweaking it for free. They won't yeah. like charge you yeah. every time you go back. Yeah. You, you, you basically have like six, six or eight months, I think time period where you can keep going back. Yeah. It depends on the fitter, but I mean, yeah, exactly. You can find all this information online, of course. Yeah. But then, you, you know, you, you'd be doing a lot of research, connect with people, right? Connect with people that you want to, hang out with that you're going to ride your bike with and, um, and and say like you're an introvert or whatever and you don't or you don't have any friends suppose right like i mean i'm sure most people have some friends but you don't know anyone who bikes right it doesn't matter like find your local bike shop most bike shops have rides group rides and they have rides at different levels so go with a beginner ride that they're going slower but the fact that you start going rides the, the biking community most everywhere is people are very friendly and they're very helpful so like you know, they might just see something and it's like, you know, be helpfully like, oh, you know, you could do this or you could, you know, and they will help you uh, improve and and and, uh, and learn. Um, a lot of them, they'll have like clinics about how to change a tire, you know, like if you bike for any amount of time, you're going to wind up getting a flat at some point. Um, then, you know, so sometimes they're free, like they'll just teach you different mechanical skills and how to maintain your bike and keep it performing well. Cool, man. That was, that was really informative. Um, we'll definitely do another session and talk more about you know, the different types of training you could do and, and what the different um, training does for you physically and mentally and, you know, what where you got to be at. But again, the first step is to figure out what is your reason for riding a bicycle. Mm-hmm. All right. Some questions that I always ask my guests, I know this is a special episode, but what is one hobby that you wish you got into? 
that I wish I got into that I didn't? Yeah, yes, you did. Um, so I kind of wish I had learned to shoot uh, better or more. Like I, I went skeet shooting once and I went to a range one time and shot like a 45. But like that's something I wish I had more time for or, uh, and that's something I would still like to get into. Um, I kind of regret, uh, you just wanted one, right? All right. I mean, you can you can talk about multiple ones. It's, it's... Well, I mean, another thing, like I used to ski when I was also like when I was seven. We started me and my dad and my, our family used to go skiing, but that kind of just dropped off. And it wasn't real skiing. Like it, we would, we lived in Chicago, so we went to Wisconsin. You know, so it's a kind of our the tallest black diamond part of our slope, but they call it. It's like probably a bunny slope in Colorado. So <laughs> it would be cool to like go, you know, some real skiing, some real downhill skiing. Yeah. Um, I I have the same um, feeling about skiing, uh, you know, snowboarding because I. I got into snowboarding back in 2005. I probably snowboarded for like six, seven years till I moved to Colorado. And then I didn't really go snowboarding. And I, I kick myself even now. Like I never went snowboarding. So you moved to Colorado and you stopped? Snowboarding takes no sense. You moved to the place where it's the best snowboarding in the world. Best snow in the world. And I, I didn't go snowboarding at all in Colorado. And I, was, I still kick myself on it. Um, so that I wish I, I, I was able to, you know, go back and do some snowboarding, but, uh, my knees aren't help are, are in the shape right now to get back into it. All right. Um, next question. What is your favorite movie or TV show? And if none, how about a book? Oh, wow. Um, I don't know. So for me, movies and TV shows are mainly like just time fillers. Um, mm -hmm. like, you know, like when you're really tired and you don't have your brain yeah. can't work anymore. Um, but you don't want to sleep quite yet. And probably it's a, an excuse. So I don't know about, I mean, I guess a movie for sure. Like, I mean, I grew up on Star Wars. I mean, who else my age hasn't, right? So like, I remember seeing the original Star Wars movie in the theaters. For nice. Me, you know, the stuff that was going on in my life, it was like a really big deal. Like I went uh, and saw it uh, with some friends when I was with my mom and my parents were divorced. And then my my dad actually had custody. Um, so like he had like basically spent his, his life savings like, hiring private detectives to try and find me because my mom had run off with us. And then, uh, so after I got back and my dad had me, she took me to see Star Wars. So it was my second time seeing it, but again, it was like kind of like this meaningful thing. And then for me, the movie was like really, you know, I mean, it changed our whole culture, right? Like not just, it did, yeah. So, um, so I guess Star Wars is probably the, my nice. favorite movie. Yeah. Is that why you got into ninjutsu? No, not at all. Um, I got into ninjutsu because I was beat up almost every single day as a kid, like growing up. So, I mean, well, uh, like I said, like I kind of alluded to earlier, like I had been asking and begging my dad, like, can you please put me in martial arts school? Because <laughs> going to school for me meant I was going to get beat up. Okay. Oh, and to the point where like, you know, like kids used to play marbles back then. I don't know what they do now. Like maybe they all like have iPhone games or switches and stuff. But yeah, back then yeah. we would do like physical things like play marbles or play basketball. So, um, so, you know, like I would like, be walking home from school one day and like I had a bag with the marbles and the marble I won some kid. I mean, you know, now I realize as an adult, like, you know, these kids had like family issues and they had reasons why. Like, oh yeah. But I mean, then I, all I knew is this kid comes and like, you know, he like pushes me down to the ground and he rips my bag of marbles open. And, you know, he punches me, you know, and I'm like, so, I mean, I would just get beat up all the time. But at the same time, like I wasn't, I wasn't a pushover, right? Like I wasn't like, I, I was what we call like in, in martial arts now, we, I didn't know what it was then, but I call it indomitable spirit, right? So like I had kids, like there was this, this circle of bullies, like literally they had like a gang, right? Like, and, and they were like the head bully and then they're like his subordinate bullies, right? And like, I actually went like in reading class and like maybe we had picked on me and I'm like, I challenged this head bully to a fight. I'm like, come on, in playground, let's, let's go like, let's duke it out. And he's like kind of shocked. He's like, 
you're asking me to fight you? And I'm like, he's like, no, 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 you have to fight the tenants first. Like, no, I don't want to fight you. Come on, what are you scared? And so like, even though I was picked on every day, I was like, kind of like, no, I'm not taking this from you. I don't care if you beat me up, right? Um, and I, I had no training and I didn't know this kid had been taking karate in his life, right? So like, we got to the playground and like, he put me in some headlock until like my, I was crying, like not from, not because I was like crying because I was sad or anything, but like, because it's like, they're like, the tears were being forced on my face. Like, you know, and so, but like, I wouldn't give up. It's like, and he's like, he didn't know what to do. It's like, do you give up? I'm like, no. It's like, do you give up? I'm like, no. It's like, he didn't know what to do. It's like, I'm putting this kid in a headlock. He's like, you know, he's like got tears coming on his face, but he's not giving up. I don't know what to do. And so like, it went on so long. Finally, the crossing guard or the, the guard, the playground guard saw us. And she's like, she made him sit on the bench, which is a punishment. So he got in trouble and I was scot-free, even though I picked the fight. <laughs> but I mean, you know, I was just, I had this attitude, but you know, but I didn't have any training and I didn't have any access to it. So again, like when I got to college and I was like, wow, I can get into martial arts and this doesn't cost hardly anything. I was like, that's it. You know, I'm done. I'm, this is it. So I got, I mean, I had, when I was, you know, again, I was an introvert and I was into reading a lot. Like I, I, I was really into reading. Like I didn't have a lot of friends. I had like one friend in grade school and I had like one friend in high school but, and not even close friends. Right. But so, but I did a lot of reading and that was my world. Like to get away from everything, I would absorb myself in books. Right. Um, like, and that's why if you ask me like, what's your favorite book? It's a really hard question. Cause like I literally read like pretty much every book in the library, in the public library, in the school library. Like I just read everything. Um, but especially fiction and fantasy and all that. Um, so, um, I went off on a tangent and I forgot where it was. <laughs> oh, oh, so you asked me about ninjutsu, right? So like I had, I had gone into the school library and I looked up every book on martial arts. So there's a book on judo and all this. And I'd be like in my room doing like practicing roles and whatever I could read out of a book, you know, I was like, what's going on up there. Right. But of course, you know, you can't get training from a book, like not in martial arts. That's, that's not how, that's not how it works, but I did what I could. Right. Um, but I had, you know, read like all the, like there's a guy named Stephen Hayes, like later on, like my ninjutsu teacher found out that like, he actually trained with him and he was training with him while I was there. And my brother later on trained with him, but like, um, he had written all these books, you know, he was like the first American to go to Japan and learn ninjutsu, like from the source and this and that. And like, there's lots of, you know, challenges of like how authentic is any of this or that. And cause like J Japan, there's a particular thing with martial arts in Japan that like the way, like, you know, like with, with what we do in Quran and like with mm -hmm. what we call Sana, like lineage, like there's an yeah. art and they have a lineage and they can trace their teachers back to like the guy oh, wow. who started it. Right. Like, so Aikido, like they know who founded it. And then you can trace like any Aikido teacher, like he, this is his teacher and this is his teacher all the way back to the founder of Aikido. Right. So like, that's, that's how martial arts work in Japan. Like there's, it's a very official thing and it's a very sanctioned thing. Ninjutsu mm -hmm. is the opposite of that. Right. First of all, like the way it came about, like it was, it was eventually made illegal. It was banned by the Shogun. So, or by the emperor, right. Like, cause they were so effective, but like in Ninjutsu, there is no real lineage. So like, you know, everything, you know, from Hatsume, who's like the, the current like founder and head of, of that art, like, in, like, all his stuff is like suspect. Like you can't, like whoever he says is Cesar, you can't really verify that versus like, oh, you know, have, yeah, it's, it's all, it's all, and that's what it's about. It's all like, it's just like, it was the original mixed martial arts. Like what they did is they went to all the different martial arts schools and they learned everything and they took what they liked and what was effective and what worked for them. And they kept that and they threw out everything else. And so it was a very much like a, a renegade type of art. Um, that's really interesting. Um, the one thing, the one thing that we talk about is beekeeping and how, if you say, you know, what kind of bees do you have here in the U.S.? Well, we have mutts, which are mixed bees. They, you know, they've been uh, bred between Carnolians, Italian bees, Russian bees. And um, there's another one. 
not African. So, you know, they're, they've been like, we, like we, we cannot trace back to any species. So they're basically American bees. Yeah. It's really interesting because uh, honeybees are not local. They're, they're immigrants of in, in the Americas. Uh, the local bees, the native bees that help pollinate uh, the plants and uh, trees over here are bees like bumblebees and carpenter bees and, and mason bees, as well as the other pollinators such as um, uh, the yellow jackets and the other hornets. It's really cool. So, so honeybees don't pollinate plants? They do. They do pollinate plants, but they're not native okay. to uh, United States. So that means the Native Americans didn't have honey, huh? Is that, is that right? Yeah, they probably didn't. That's probably true. Mm-hmm. So I said, no wonder Pooh Bear is British. Okay, that makes sense now. <laughs> well, that's a totally different controversy because bears do not eat honey. Ah. They eat the larva, the protein. They want the protein. Ah. Yeah. That's why we right. the people. Okay. Okay. Anyway, mm-hmm. boy, I'm going to No problem. So what is your favorite superhero? <sighs> okay. So I was really into Spider-Man, but I don't know if that's because like that's, those happen to be the comics I happen to collect um, because like... I got into it at a certain point, and uh, so I just kept collecting that. But uh, I would go to my, one of my friend's house, and he had X-Men, so I really loved that. So Wolverine was, like, I guess one of my favorite characters of all time because he had the knives coming out of his hands, man. I mean, what's more cool than that? And especially with the whole ninjutsu slant. Like, I mean, that's the ultimate. Like, the weapons are part of your body, right? <laughs> so, and, and then, you know, when he, like, they did, like, backstory on him, like, he actually trained with the, in Japan and all that, and he had a, you know, so that, that was just too cool. I mean, for me, I guess Wolverine was probably... There's a lot of uh, connections there. Yeah. Nice. Okay. If you were a board game, what would it be? Oh, I try to be more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice answer. But <laughs> like uh, board game, like, a, you know. I mean, yeah. uh, this, I was just doing a pun there, you know, B-O-R-E-D. It's a good one. I don't know. Um, okay, so... That's hard. Um, can does it have to be a board game? Because I was really into D and D as a as a kid. Um, and again, that whole that tied in. It's well, not really. It's not a board game. The one thing it doesn't have is this board. There's like dice, and you can have figurines and maps. It's everything but the board, right? Um, but I mean, basically, you make the board because it's like you have a different map every time. Um, but yeah, I think D and D for me is like my favorite game of all time. Um, but and it, it ties in the whole reading and fantasy thing, and you know. Yeah. No, that's really cool. Because one thing, the one thing that's common between board games and books is that there's new board games coming out every single day. Yeah, and I'm not really into that many board games. Like I, I play like some Monopoly with my kids, but just because that's what they like. Monopoly, yeah. okay. But I, I, I don't really particularly care about that game. Yeah, no. Cool, man. No problem. Okay, where can my audience, my audience, my audience find you? <laughs> Um, so my consulting company is Anara, so anara.com. Um, you can find my book on Kotlin, uh, if you're into programming, um, on thekotlinbook.com. And I also have, uh, two books, uh, through Ray Wendelik, um, and you can find some of my tutorials on raywendelik.com. Um, so the, there's an upcoming book. I can't really disclose the name of it. Um, but it's an advanced Android book. And then there's another book that has a second edition of the Android Apprentice. So if you're, if you're thinking about getting to mobile development, I mean, that's a really good place to start. Um, Fantastic. Well, Fawad, thank you so much for your time, your insights into cycling, your stories and the awesome hobbies and passions you have for so many awesome things. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure talking to you. And wow, the time flew by so fast, man. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Dude, we got to go riding, man. 
That's the one awesome, awesome thing about um, having conversations with friends. Time just flies. We need to get together and go do some riding. We'll go riding. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode on Hacks and Hobbies. We absolutely appreciate your contribution. You can find additional notes on hacksandhobbies.com. Please share the podcast with your friends and tell them what you learned about our guest today.